I mentioned earlier when I was uh, talking about communion that Jesus sat with his friends. Friendship is a real important thing. And Pastor Ronnie, I was so glad he used the word discipleship. Uh, guys, we make discipleship into this big, massive thing that has this list and all of these formulas. Discipleship is relationship. It is friendship. And, uh, and I've, been, uh, I've been walking with uh, Tim Hooper for um, uh, cl- close to a decade now. Uh, he doesn't live in Tennessee anymore, but we have been close friends for quite, uh, quite a number of years. Uh, depth in relationship, sharing the word. And I have just seen the supernatural move of God in his life, in his wife's life, in his family's life. And, uh, and I just asked him if he would come and share with us uh, this morning. And I got to the privilege of hearing the word, the first gathering. And you're in for a treat. Would you please welcome my friend, Tim Hooper? And in fact, would you guys go ahead and stand and and stretch your hand out here? We'll pray for, for Tim. Father, I thank you so much for my friend, Tim. I thank you for his heart and his life. I thank you for his preparation for this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would use him uh, in a mighty way and that you would flow through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and thank you, Kevin. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord. I was sharing with the service uh, earlier. I often wonder during worship, what heaven might be doing? <laughs> you know, we're raising our hands and we're shouting glory, hallelujah, and we're, we're worshiping the almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jehovah God the living, the one and only living God. And I wonder what they're doing up there. Hebrew says we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I wonder if they're reaching back down. I'm sure they're falling before the throne. We read in Revelation what's happening up there. But I wonder if they're, they're just bringing our praises up. Like, is this awesome? I wonder where the pockets around the world. I wonder if there's like light coming off the globe. I don't know, but I just often wonder, what does it look like? And I'll tell you, it was a blessing to be with you worshiping this morning. What a glorious, glorious day. So thank you, gentlemen. I, uh, <clears throat> Kevin texted me about three months ago, and he said, hey, buddy, could you come speak in August? And I was pretty sure August was free. I said, sure, like, you know, what, 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 do, you want to, you know, what do you want me to speak on? Or, and he, he responded, here's, here's the passage. And a lot of times, you know, I get asked to speak. It's just come share what God has on your heart. And oftentimes God takes me right to maybe a passage I just read or maybe a trial we're just going through. And he says, just share your testimony. Just share your testimony. Share what I'm doing. So I kind of felt a little boxed in. I know Kevin's a planner. He sent me Matthew 13, 1 through 23. And I said, Okay, that's, that's Jesus. It's got to be Jesus, so we should be good. And, uh, right? Amen? And uh, I flipped over to Matthew 13, 1 through 23, and, and I said, oh boy. <laughs> I, said, I said, oh boy, because uh, this passage was very familiar to me. I know this passage like the back of my hand. And I grew up very religious. I grew up in a denomination of production. You produce things. You, you worked um, you showed up, you dressed right, you talked right, you did it. And, um, and it, it kind of felt exclusive. If you did it just right, you got the pat on the back. Unfortunately, we didn't know what to do with the refuse in the world. We didn't know what to do with the broken in the world. It was, you had to look, look this way. And if there was brokenness inside, you shoved it down because you had to look this way. And so when I came to this scripture, 
I said, God, what am I gonna do with this? And he said, Tim, will you walk with me for the next couple of months and let me show you? And I said, yes, Lord. So today, I just wanna share what God's been doing in my heart the last couple of months. We'll stand together and we'll read. It's a little bit more lengthy of a text. We won't read all 23 verses, but we'll read the first and last part. Amen? <laughs> all right. We'll read together, starting here. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. The next part goes on to say, if I can get my clicker to work, here we go, still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And Jesus goes on to talk and share things with his disciples here and comes back to the parable with his disciples and says, ready? Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Thank you, and you may be seated. I appreciate your prayer over me this morning, and also I pray that God would just meet every person that walked in exactly where we're at, exactly where we're at. There is no way that somebody from Virginia could fly into Tennessee and deliver something that you need today. That's why we turn to God's word and may his word be preeminent. And we ask to accompany that word that the spirit just comes and just puts his presence right here and just says, Rachel, Anthony, Jennifer, Tim, whatever your name is, this is what's for you. If he would do that today, wow. I think we need a fresh breath of God today in our lives. And as I read this, I said, God, I remember this text was used often in my life growing up as share the word, sow the seed. And while sowing the seed and sharing the word is an absolute, absolute joy of somebody who follows Christ, I realized Jesus was not in this context talking about sharing the word. What he was talking about in this context, in fact, he told me, he said, go 
And I want you to read starting in Matthew 1 and read up to this point. And in Matthew 12, he's talking to a very religious crowd, a crowd that said, this can't be the Messiah because we have this way. And what you're saying is disrupting this way. So he's coming off the context of a very religious, religious but lost, people who were figuring it all out on their own, people who had a way of producing disciples, but he said in the chapter right before, you're blind leaders of the blind. So I said, God, wow. And he says a sower, he didn't necessarily say you disciples are the sower. He does share that later when he says, look on the fields, they're white, ready to harvest, pray the Lord of the harvest sends forth laborers. He does say that, but in this situation, he said a sower went forth to sow. A farmer went out to sow seeds. And I say, God, who's that farmer? That farmer was in Jesus' day, he's talking, that those, they, there are many things. John the Baptist, he said, prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus himself, the living word. In fact, he says, the seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed sown is the word of the kingdom. What word of the kingdom have I heard today? You know, God speaks through his word forever. Not one jot or tittle, he says, not one period or not one letter will go missing. His word is preserved and it's glorious. But he said, I will, and he told the disciples, he says, you can write this down. But he said, do not worry. He said, because I will send you a helper. I will send you a comforter. He said, and he will make my words known to you. He also speaks through his spirit. And he speaks the sower, the farmer, he speaks through those around us. He spoke through, did you know, animals in both Old and New Testament. He speaks through his creation. He speaks and his voice is all around us. But you know, between the parable, the Holy Spirit said, Tim, I want you to focus in between. And what did he say? The disciples came and said, why do you talk in parables? Why do you talk in parables? Now, some of us think maybe that question might be rude to a teacher, might be off-putting to Jesus, but Jesus never said to the disciples, how dare you ask me why I talk in parables? You know what Jesus said? He said a couple of things. He says, blessed are you because having ears, you hear. But what had he just said to the crowd when he shared the parable? You that have ears, hear but only the disciples were there asking, what did you mean by this parable? And what Jesus and the Holy Spirit shared in my heart was, Tim, how often have you left a service, left the reading of the word, left your time with me, or left a conversation with a friend that I was trying to tell you something, and you left and said, that was a great story. That was a great message. That was a great quote on Pinterest. That was a great, this is perfect but you never came back and said, God, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you? He said that this generation, the people who came and said, great story, Jesus, and left, maybe ate something. Maybe they came as Jesus called them out later. You came, what did you come for, more food? But they left, great story, great, par great, great story. And yet the disciples came back and he said, blessed are you. He said, scribes and righteous people came before you and they longed for the day to hear what I'm revealing. They longed for the day. 
Are we longing to hear from him? Are we coming before his presence saying, I'm longing to hear a word from you, O God? But he said, this generation has lost their ability to hear. He said they can barely hear. But the disciples stood around and heard. And Jesus said, let me, let me explain. Let me tell you what the soil means. So I wanna tell you a tale of four soils. I'll tell you a tale of my soil first because uh, we moved to Virginia. You know, we lived here for 12 years and what was Tennessee known for? Rocky top, <laughs> rocky ground, bedrock. We moved to Virginia and we had some very fertile soil out in Virginia. These are my four kids and my wife, Jennifer. And uh, you know, every time we go to a place, we always stop and smell the flowers. My wife loves historic downtowns. This was outside of a library up in Boone, North Carolina. We just took all sorts of pictures. And I think secretly she was snapping pictures for her dream board. You know what I'm saying, ladies? The HGTV crowd in here, like, oh, this would be perfect out in that garden. This would be perfect out in that garden. And it's the arrangement of the flowers and it's how you stack them and layer them and all that good stuff. We moved to central Virginia. We bought this home. It's a historic, it used to be an orchard, but it's this historic brick, beautiful home, um, but it's old. Anybody love old and restoring the old? Oh, praise God for his restoration. But we moved into this house and I mean, they had beautiful, beautiful stonework, beautiful this, but they had these massive oak trees, 100 year old oak trees. They had in the front flower beds. In fact, the flower beds were so piled up with leaves and debris and dirt from all these years, but we had to dig deep just to find the landscaping rocks. They were six inches under the soil, but we pulled all these beautiful granite rocks up. We said, this must've been the old flower garden. You know, we're digging all this up and in the flower garden up here near the house are these old 80 year old boxwoods. They were there. In fact, somebody stopped by and gave us pictures from the original when they were putting the scaffoldings and the bricks up back in the thirties. And, uh, and these little boxwoods after it was, were, were planted, 80 year old boxwoods. And you know, I thought, man, <clears throat> to rip that out will take a lot of work. So baby, what if we do this? What if I trim that way back? You know, it was massive. What if we trim it way back and then we'll just plant stuff around it. A couple years into Virginia, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And as we went up to UVA and praise God for anybody who's a nurse or a doctor, praise God for his healing hand and ministering that through doctors and nurses, praise God for the healing we will all have one day. But we claim, we said, God, please, will you heal her? And as we were driving back after receiving the news, God just laid on my heart to go by Lowe's and get a plant. So we just went in and we picked out a plant and we went home and we planted it next in the front flower garden. Again, we had been doing all sorts of remodeling and all sorts of things. And you know, it's just one of those, you drive up to the house and it's like, man, I just really wanna get those gardens. Anybody still in the process, you lived in your house a little while and you still have that one flower garden, you walk by and you say, if I just had one Saturday free up, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, we're just gonna one by one, trip by trip, go and get a plant and plop it in. And we start plopping plants in. And before long, we are populating all the doctor's visits and God healed her. It came back, God healed her again. And God turned that thing around. Oh my gosh. But he didn't turn my flower gardens around because, because what happened was there was something going on that I could not see. There was something going on below the surface that I could not see. It was called 80-year-old root systems. Well, my sister was a cop for eight years. 
went through a really difficult time through the pandemic, ended up resigning, and she shifted into becoming a dirt doctor. She's always loved plants. Anybody else a dirt doctor, dirt therapy? It's, a great, it's great, it's great. God put Adam in a garden to till the garden. I mean, there's something there. But anyway, so she's a dirt, she's getting, she says a dirt therapy and she's a dirt doctor. So I said, hey, Hannah, why don't you come out to the house? This was last summer. And I said, just kind of look around and maybe you could come out here and live for the summer, you know, free room and board. And, and I'll pay you to remodel my flower gardens. So she comes out and she's looking around and, she starts digging around. And she's like, um, yeah, these boxers are gonna have to go. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. So anybody impatient like I am? Microwave, right? Microwave. So I said, hey, tell you what I'll do. I'll go get them the minivan. Has a lot of forward wheel drive oomph and power. And I said, uh, I'll back this thing up in the yard. I'll get one of those big cinch straps and I'll wrap it around. So we wrap it around the boxwood and, uh, and I take off. <clears throat> I'm like, this is not working. So I put it in low gear, nope, spin the dirt, all the sorts of things, can't get it out. I said, well, what if we just whoop, chainsaw, whack it off? She says, no, 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 no. That root system is so deep. We've got to get it out. You talk about, I, I literally in the moment had this decision to make because it was gonna take some time. It might even take a $500 rental, like mini excavator type thing, you know? I didn't have the $500 handy, so guess what I went out and got? The pickaxe. Let's see if we can get this up here. Yeah, so here we are. There's the hole. This hole, was my, my sister's shorter than I am, but the hole was up to her waist. If I got in that hole, it was up to like mid-thigh. It was massive. It took us three days to dig out that root system. I had to help her hoist it up. That's how heavy it was. But she, there she is hoisting it up. And then on the other side, we didn't have a boxwood, but nothing would grow. She says, we got to dig down. What happened was under the topsoil, which was only about three quarters of an inch, there was about 12 inches of just root system. And these were all the water roots from the trees and the bushes and the vines that had gone over years and just lay dormant. We had to cut and chop and trim three full days of backbreaking labor to get down to the good soil. Now, why do I share that? Because when I went through this, God said, take your focus off the seed. I'm, I'm, I'm the sower. Yes, you will join me in this sowership. You will join me in this farming, but I want you to focus on the soil, not the production of the life, because he said some was a hundredfold, 60-fold, 30-fold. He said, don't worry so much about the production. I want you to worry about the productivity of the soil. I want you to dig in and dig deep. And as I began to dig, Jesus said, blessed are you for asking why. Oh man, I heard growing up, don't ask God why. Oh man, please ask God why. Why are you doing this? Not out of rebellious posture, but out of a broken posture. God, why? It's okay, he's your loving father. He wants to tell you, but he also wants to say, as he was leaving the disciples in John, he said multiple times in 13, 14, 15, 16, I'm telling you this now and you will remember it and you will know why I'm telling. He said it multiple times, why? Because he knew they were gonna be broken, heartbroken, turning away from him, but it was gonna come back and they were gonna go, that's what it was. They're gonna see the risen Lord and they're gonna get their lives for him. So do not take void what God's trying to do when we don't understand, come before the Father and ask why. So let's go before the Father and say, Father, why? Why the four, why the tale of four soils this morning? Well, I think that as I just, I think through the four soils, God's saying, how's your heart? 
Because he said the enemy comes into the heart that doesn't understand that that's the path and plucks the seed out. So this morning, I wanna ask Tim, Tim, is your heart healthy? The place no one else sees. You know, that's, that's what's so tricky about our heart. No one else sees it. We can fake it till we make it, right? The world tells us. But God says, no, you can't because I see the heart. Man sees the outward appearance, but I see the heart. Jeremiah in 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, I wanna draw your attention to what Jeremiah says. He says, the heart. He doesn't say, Kevin's heart is deceitful. See, we tend to do that when we're trying to make our own heart look better. We tend to do this. And God is just saying, no, no, no. I know the condition of your heart. He says, the heart, the heart of man. That no one gets away from that. Nobody gets a hall pass on the heart condition. We were all born into a broken world with a broken bloodline. We have a broken heart, a deceitful heart. How many times have you said, hallelujah, glory, and you walked out of church and you honking your horn at somebody? We have a broken, deceitful heart. David said in Psalm 139, 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Biologists say that you can't tell just by looking at soil whether it's productive soil. They said you have to test it. You have to look at the pH levels in the soil. You gotta try it. Oh God, try my heart. Try the productivity of my heart. God, I'm sorry for measuring my life by my production. God, measure the productivity and the health of my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as we look at the tale of four soils, God pointed some things out to me. He said, along the path. And I think, I think each one of these are stages that we might find ourselves in one or maybe two or all, or I think they're all stages of our heart, postures of our heart, if, if I may. But I just wrote down a few things. And if, you're, if your spirit, you know, synchronizes with this, take it. If it doesn't, leave it. But along the path, I say, God, what does along the path mean? And when I think of a path, I think of, I think of people walking. I think of a lot of traffic. I think of hustle and bustle. I think of I-24 going to Nashville, right? I think of all the, the compression of the soil, all the soles of the feet back in the Bible days, the path. It was very packed down. It was very compressed. I think about in my life, I say, God, what is that? And it's the treadmill. It's the maxed out calendar. It's no margin. It's no time for God. It's, it's, I'm too busy. I think about my cell phone, the opportunity, a great tool, but also a great opportunity for the evil one to keep my attention so off of God. I think about along the path. I think about being devoured. He said they just, the enemy just comes and just devours it, eats it right off the path. I think of that's exposure. I'm exposed. I have no retention. 
I'm exposed. Truth lands and truth flies away. I'm exposed, I'm compressed. There's something hurt, there's something compressed. I think of depression. Along the path, you have places where the ground has become even more impact. Have you ever turned into a, coming on down a hill to turn onto an interstate and you notice the big ruts in the asphalt where the trucks break and the loads of the truck have depressed the asphalt, right? I think about a path, some depression. I think about maybe somebody who you got into a relationship with, they look so promising, they maybe even lied to you, and then you stayed in that relationship maybe way too long because of what it was doing or the image or whatever, it doesn't matter, but somebody took advantage of you and it just feels like they just traipsed all over your life and you came today and you are depressed and compressed and you feel like there is nothing left. That's this, that's the pathway. It's just been pressed down. It has just been depressed. Or maybe somebody did you wrong. They walked through. But you know, the enemy, oh, the enemy, he's so good. He's had 6,000 years plus of practice. And what he does is he takes the shoe off of that person. They walked through your life once, but oh, he's so good at coming back and just reminding you, just reminding you, just reminding you and discouraging you because he's building bitterness inside of your soil. Used up, abused, discouraged, compressed. Might that be you this morning? I think about rocky ground. Rocky ground. You're in Rocky Top, Tennessee. We're on rocky ground. When I thought rocky ground, I thought, God, some people are born into rocky ground. But he said the rocky ground is where the seed landed and you go, boom, I'm excited, yes. I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna take a step. I'll get baptized, sure. And you didn't stop that, now that's me, that's my personality, okay? I'm all in, I'm charismatic, it's a yes, amen, brother. But I never stopped back and counted the cost and said, what does following Christ actually mean? What does the commitment look like? We live in a generation that has been taught you don't have to count the cost. We live in a generation of credit cards, buy now, pay later. And we have a lot of, I believe, believers who believe that going to church or saying yes to Jesus will add a checkbox on on their resume. I call this one a cheap faith. Maybe it's a borrowed faith. It says they didn't have root in themselves, The word there in, in the ESV is, there was no root in himself. There was no root inside of yourself. It's a borrowed faith. Maybe today you're banking on your parents. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home like me, but you're religious, but no relationship. Your roots have not pressed down into Christ or going back to the rocky ground you were born into. Maybe you have pain and hurt and you haven't done the work yet, or I haven't done the work yet, to dig into the word of God for ourselves, to say, God, would you take my rocky ground that I was born with? I'll never forget somebody pointed to my cousin growing up. My cousin grew up in a broken home. My aunt was divorced, and my cousin grew up, and not really having a dad present in his life. And I'll never forget, 
Somebody in my life pointed at him and said, he's a rebellious kid. Like he wouldn't look people in the eye. His hat was turned to the side. He's a rebellious kid. He'll never amount to anything. You know, my cousin Steven's one of my best friends today. He was just ordained to preach. The man suffers severe headaches, but that man can touch lives like I can't. He will cry at the, just so tender of a heart. And I look at him and I say, what happened? What happened was he said, I understand I must give account of myself to God someday. I have to own my flower garden. I've got to make a decision right now whether I want surface level, rock deep faith, or if I'm going to dig down, or if you're in Rocky Top, Tennessee, back the truck up, baby, and get some topsoil, because they say if you have hard bedrock, build you some raised beds. You want to grow a garden in Tennessee? Build some raised beds. So by God's grace and mercy, he wants to build some raised beds in your life and back the truck of his word up and give you the soil that you need for a fruitful life. Our kids are counting on us having deep soil. The next generation, what are they going to do if we don't teach them the word of God? So he's saying today, somebody needs to get a truckload of the soil and they need to build up their faith. They need to add to their faith. They can't rely on dad's and mom's faith. It won't last when persecution and tribulation come on account of the word. We show up to work and the guys are talking and we just kind of put our Christianity in our back pocket to blend in because the persecution, we don't know how to handle. Justin was up here talking about men for Christ. In this generation, we need men to stand up and say, I'm gonna lead my home for Christ but it's gonna take some persecution. You're gonna be called a wimp. You're gonna be called, whoa, what, what, what is this? You're gonna get the ridicule. And are we gonna wither because our faith is not deep? Rocky ground, cheap faith. And then he said, among thorns. Among thorns. These are the people that hear the word. Oh, I've been here. I've been here. And I too often go back here. They hear the word, but the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches grow up and choke the seed. These are people that have some soil because it says the seed grew up. But the problem was there were also thorns in the garden. Now it's interesting because back in Jeremiah, he says, break up your untilled ground, but do not cast your seed among the thorns. I do not see Jesus saying necessarily that thorns were a bad thing, but the seeds were thrown among the thorns. Think about it for a second. John says, we're in the world, but not of the world. He says, brothers and sisters, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And what does he mean there in the Greek word? It's cosmos. It is the world system, the world structure. Do you realize that when I look at this in my life, when I said, Holy Spirit, what, what, what are you trying to tell me? You know what came to mind? He said, Tim, the American dream or the American nightmare. He said, it's everything that commercials have told you you need. And you really don't need. He says in Matthew 6, 30 through 33, he says, look at the lilies of the field. They neither toil or spin, but your father in heaven clothes them. He says, aren't two birds, sparrows sold for a farthing? 
and yet I feed the sparrows, how much more valuable are you than little sparrows? But seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. He said, the seed is the word of the kingdom. And our, my question to Tim this morning is, Tim, what is kingdom work? What is kingdom word in your life? And where is it in your life? Did you cast it among the thorns? See, I think there, there may be a, a thorn of, of a job. I mean, thorns were part of the curse. It's part of our broken world. You think we like to go to the hospital? I think those are thorns. I think the cares and the worries of this world are things that are sometimes necess necessities, our job. But how many times have I taken my job from a necessity and thank you, Father, for this job so my family has insurance and I can pay the bills and I can tithe and I can give? How have I moved that to a... <clears throat> Look at me. Look at my title. Look at my successes. Look at my achievements. I think of sports. I think of sports... Our culture is a sports culture and not necessarily anything wrong with sports, but have we kept sports in its rightful place? Have we put undue pressure on our kid to go for the trophy and if you don't, you're, you're trash? Or have we said, no matter what, your attitude is the win? You have people, team members around you, coaches, players, teachers, that your attitude is the win. Your attitude is the kingdom work. Your attitude is the kingdom word and we keep sports in its rightful place. Where is the voice of the kingdom in our lives or have we sown it among the thorns? And the tricky thing about thorns is they grow up. Sometimes we don't know. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes that's our hearts deceitful, it's tricky. We start sowing, we might be in this posture one day and in this posture the next. Those thorns grow up, they're deceitful. They spread, they go underground and they come up. And you know, most thorns have flowers with them. <laughs> they look pretty. They look delightful. But you know what thorns need? You know what thorns grow on? They grow on vines. You know what a vine needs? It needs support. Do you know what that support is? It's the plant of the word. It's the plant of the kingdom. And they wrap around that plant. And who wins? The vine, the thorn every time. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me discernment to look in my life to where I've sowed the word of the kingdom among thorns in my life. See, the soil, the soil's our heart. Now, biologists will tell you that soil is alive. Soil is alive. <clears throat> and soil has to be fed. Did you know that the path, the seed falling on the path, that was once good soil. That was the Sinai law that once used to work, but it's been trampled down, compressed. And God said, I'm coming to break up the fallow ground. I'm doing a new thing. And you're not letting me pour my spirit into your situation. You may be broken today and depressed like we talked about, compressed. You may be on the path. And God says, I wanna blow my spirit on your dry bones. I want to say dry bones live and we're gonna hear a rumbling sound. We're gonna see the earth start quaking and shaking and we're gonna see something happen where once there was a depressed path, we're gonna break up and see God do something. He says, I wanna do something with your dry bones. He still turned, I love the song that says he turns graves in the garden. But here's the cool thing. You sit there and say, Tim, 
Like, that looks like a lot of work. I'm gonna flip the slide because I don't want you to see my ugly mug the rest of the service. You say, Tim, that looks like a lot of work. It is, but that's the physical world. <laughs> We're in a spiritual world. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open your door, I will come in. I will sup with you. He says, abide in me and I in you. He wants to flow through us. He will do the work. We moved into this old house. It has not lifted a single hammer. That dang house has not helped me at all. I just moved in and that house has become beautiful. Why? Because we're doing the work. God says, my spirit, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, what if we said, God, here's my heart. Here's my heart, here's my soil. You know, we took the, 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 the vine, if we sow it among the, you, you have to pull the vine out by the root. If you don't, it just comes back. Anybody else with me? Holly, anybody have holly bushes in their yard? Oh, I hate holly bushes. You chop them off, you pull them, and poof, one comes up next. Poof, one comes up there. I'm like, man, where's these things coming from? You gotta dig down and find that spreader root, right? You gotta pull the thorns out. But now here we got the soil. We say, God, I want the fourth kind of soil. I want good soil. I want pure soil. Well, the biologists tell us about soil. I started studying soil. I'm gonna shout out to my friend Joshua in here. He, he teaches on soil and growability. And so it was kind of a, a, a cool thing hearing that we, I was gonna be in your presence today. So he could back me up on a lot of this stuff and give you the science lesson. But um, we hold our life, our heart up to God, say, God, here's, here's my soil. And uh, on the out, outside, I mean, can, can you see? Can you see? That's good soil, right? Good soil, very good soil, beautiful. In fact, soil is good soil, good soil is called loam. Loam, that's what the Bible is, it's loam. It's topsoil or black dirt. That's black dirt, we're good. But did you know, I did not know this. Did you know that soil, the dirt part, the physical part that we can see is only 45% of good soil? What, 45% of good soil? Yes. 45%, see, 40% of that 45% is sand, 40% is silt, and 20% is clay. And that only makes up 45%. And it's gotta be a good mixture. See, if it's just sand, guess what happens? If it's just rocks, sand, rocks, the water will just flow right through it. And it won't retain water for the plants and the roots to grow. If it's just clay, it's too stodgy. It becomes waterlogged and it doesn't have any form of air going through it. It's too compact. And if it's just silt, it becomes mud. So the mixture is there, but the structure, that's only 45%. You say, well, Tim, what's the rest? Well, first, before we look at the rest, we gotta thank God, can you just dig around in my heart? Will you search me? Will you purify my heart? Because 45%, what's the rest? Did you know that? Water makes up 25% of good soil. See, sometimes in our life, we've just become dry. We're doing all the right things, but man, our time with prayer or our time in prayer with God and listening, communing with his spirit has just, it's not there. It's become non-existent. We've just become dry. I think today, just holding our, holding our heart up to God and saying, God, would you just dig in? Would you just find, would you do the test to find good soil, you just gotta do the test. And God says, oh, I found something. That looked a lot like soil, but dang it, that was an old shingle. When we dug in our garden, a lot of old shingles, <laughs> a lot of rubber, and it won't break down and compose. 
So that's my defensiveness. Tim, most of your arguments with your wife stem from your own pride and defensiveness. Yes, Lord. Oh, Tim, <clears throat> you're studying for this message. Here's, here's, a, here's another, you thought you got all the bitterness. There's, there's another root. And that root of bitterness is gonna spring up and defile a lot of people, Paul says. And I'm gonna take that root out. In fact, talk to your buddy, Kevin, about that root. We did that yesterday. And Tim, I'm gonna dig around and, oh, there's something else. Dang it, you thought porn addiction was over? There's another temptation waiting around the corner for you. Get that out of your life, get that out of your soil. It's not gonna be productive, your heart's not healthy. And you know when the enemy says, no, put it down, put it down, they're all gonna laugh, they're all gonna scorn you, the shame, oh, you're evil, don't show anybody. And he says, go into isolation and go into darkness and don't tell anybody. If you're, if you're a young person in the room, tell somebody. Do not go into isolation. There's destruction and isolation. God put us in community and accountability. Pull it out and say, God, I, I don't want this in my life. We just drank the cup and ate the bread. He poured everything out for us. Can I not pour everything out for him? And my heart's deceitful, so I'm gonna have to pour out my heart off and say, God, there's some resentment growing, another piece of that root of bitterness. And God, oh no, no, not the big one. Not the big one, God, not my identity. I find my identity in all of my achievements and things, but God, maybe just, okay, my identity is in you. Oh, there's another root. And oh, what's this? Would you believe we pulled metal? We pulled metal shards and things out from the 1930s, old metal. I found a, I found a bayonet from like a war, World War I rifle buried in the garden, it's pretty cool. But God says, oh man, what's this jagged old metal? That's gonna stop some roots. That's gonna prohibit some growth. And he just keeps digging around until he says, oh, I think we're, we're on to something. I think we're good. And he just pulls all this stuff out. And where? There we go. There we go, Tim. Okay, now I hold my heart up to God. God, what else? God, what else? And he says, you know, still a little too, it's still a little too dry. You need your prayer life. You need the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. And look, oh, just beautiful. Now, you know what? That soil... Will not, re, will not take the water. That's 25% of healthy soil that won't receive the water unless there's air pockets in the soil. 25% of healthy soil is air. And I um, unfortunately I can't exhibit that. I didn't want to bring a big tank, helium tank or something, but I can't exhibit that. But can we, can we just all together take a deep breath in and let it out and then do it again? And then out, and then in, and then out. My son has panic attacks. And one of the things he was taught was when that panic attack comes on you, start breathing. Breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. And what I think in our lives sometimes is, and by the way, I heard this thing, it was cool. I'm gonna share it, it's cool. I love it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's true, but I'm gonna share it because I think, I think that it, it, it made sense of a verse to me. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's a good little nugget. Somebody told me that in the Hebrew language, Yahweh has no vowels. And when you take a breath, you could almost hear Maybe that's why Job said the breath of the Almighty 
has given me life. Maybe that's why Job said, God, if you were just to breathe in, all mankind would become dust. Maybe in our heart, we just haven't given God the chance to breathe his holy presence and air into our heart. Because without God's air in those pockets, the Holy Spirit can't be received. Are we spending time with God? Are we saying, God, I want you, God, I need you. And then did you know the last 5%, so here we are, mathematicians in the room, 45%, 25%, 25, where are we at? 95, I think, I hope, don't grade me, math teachers, I think we're there. 5%, they say for healthy soil, so we've got all these components, clay, rock, silt, air, water, the mixture, the structure is there, but 5%, this soil will not be productive unless there's 5% made up of carbon compounds. Carbon compounds, you say, Tim, I did not do well in math or science, so you've lost me both times. Okay, because they lost me too, so don't worry. Carbon compounds come from living things. Living things once alive, now dead. And I think of our savior who went outside the camp where they burned the offering, where they sacrificed the, 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 the burnt part of the offering to bring the blood back to the mercy seat. They went outside the camp. He said, I went outside the camp and I'm asking you to come outside the camp, bury my reproach. Here's the thing. Somebody in this room is hurting. You just lost a friend. You just lost the battle. Somebody in your life just lost the battle to cancer. You're asking God, why is this thing in my life? Why this pain? Why this brokenness? Why is this? Why did you allow this? And God says, my child, I'm refining you. I am purifying you. I'm gonna take the ash and I'm gonna mix it in, the carbon compound, the 5% that's gonna make this soil productive soil. Child, all things work together for good soil, good for those who love God. He wants to replenish our soil. Biologists will tell you that soil is alive. It is a living thing. Soil, good soil is alive. Our soul, our heart is alive. Good soil must be fed. Are we feeding on the riches of Christ? As we end in 1 Peter, Peter must have read Matthew. Because after I read this, I said, Oh, Peter stole this from Matthew. He copied, he didn't, Matthew must not have copyrighted Matthew because he says this, he says, having purified our souls, our hearts, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The seed is the word of God, the word of the kingdom. Is our heart pure? Is it clean? And by the way, God's not done. God's not done. You know what I took the old metal in the yard? I put it up and I made a trellis out of the old ugly metal. And you know, these pieces of tar, they work perfectly for stepping stones. And you could share your testimony and say, please don't go this way. I will be stepping stones with my testimony for you to follow Jesus. And by the way, the roots, we went out in the bonfire and burned and we mixed those ashes in with the soil to make productive. And you know what? They were charging $200 for a landscaping rock. But that big old rock we pulled out, my wife said, let's just plop it right in the middle of the garden. And you know what? God's not done. He's gonna turn your brokenness, the things that he wants to expose into a beautiful story of his mercy, if we'll just let him. So this morning, let's pray. Father, thank you for the work 
of your word. Thank you for the work of your spirit in our lives. Thank you for bringing us to this place today to commune with you. Father, I pray you would just breathe on us. Allow us to expand in your presence, our hearts. Give us the air pockets for the spirit to pour into and flood our hearts with your glory, God. Help us to abide in you. Help us to surrender and give you our hearts this morning. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name and by your spirit's power we ask, amen. Show Tim your love this morning. Would you guys stand? Those who are going to minister to people and pray with people come forward. Maybe you have a place in your life where you need the Lord to till the soil. Maybe there's some things inside you he needs to pull out. Maybe some things that need to be tilled. Maybe you need some water in dry places. If that's you, you have a need... Come and agree and pray with somebody this morning as we worship. Let's worship together.